calendar house on this very merry leap day a bonus day that calls for celebration outside the normal schedule of this salute to all holiday specials but mostly the christmas ones so join us as we boldly bound back to 1996 as prescribed by fraser this is look before you leap I am polyester avalanche barreling down an emergency chute after my plane collided with a flock of Canadian geese, Mike Westfall. And joining me, hoping the missed connection she shared a handrail with on the bus happens to listen to this podcast, it's Aaron Evans. Merry Leap Day, Aaron. Oh yeah, that's me. That's me, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and because he brought it up last Leap Day and he gotta have it. It's Joey O. Merry Leap Day, Joey. Merry Leap Day. That was four years ago we did the episode about 30 Rock. Sure was. <laughs> or four million years ago. It's hard to tell at this point. For, yeah, well, when you that was when I started to do two seasons a year. So now that was like at the end of the third season. And this is the beginning of season number 12. And Wow. I don't know. It, it's all escaping me. So, confession, I didn't watch much Frasier. <gasps> Sometimes it happened to be on the TV and I didn't change the channel. And I did not watch this episode until four years ago when you brought it up last Leap Day. Wow. <laughs> I hope I did. I, I know I talked about the whole episode at the end of that podcast. Hopefully it like didn't just blow through the whole thing because there's so much more to dig into four years later. And we will. No, no, you. It, it was a very, very quick summary. Okay, we're going to we're going to get into it now, but let us start. Tell me about your history with Frasier and this episode. Did you watch this one back when it debuted? I'm sure I did. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like I I liked I watched Cheers. Cheers, you know, started. We were really young when Cheers started and mm -hmm. I casually watched Cheers. I know I watched the reruns and I watched the last season or three as it aired. I know I watched the final season, but I was all in on Frasier from like day one. I'm pretty sure I've seen it's one of the shows I've seen every episode of. I stuck with it the whole run from like high school onward. Um, I love Frasier. I don't get tired. The reruns are on like I'll watch them on cozy and they hold up. I watch it. If it's on, I'll watch them again. I've seen these so many times. If this isn't my favorite episode, it's one of them. If not this, maybe ham radio. Ham radio is great. Yeah, that's it's really it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I love I, I would say I love many of the performances of Kelsey Grammer. I don't love Kelsey Grammer, <laughs> yeah. the human being, but between Frasier and, you know, the Simpsons, right. Joe Bob is, yep. I've said is probably my favorite supporting Simpsons character. Oh, and that one episode of 31. One episode of 30. Oh, he's in, I think two or three, but yes, playing himself. But sure. The one, yes. the one where he's Frasier. He knows he's Frasier. <laughs> so much, so much good stuff. Um, I'm surprised. Wait, has Kelsey ever come up on the advent calendar house before because well has he do you think uh 
You know what? Yes, he narrated Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Oh. He is in three different Christmas made-for-TV movies that we've watched over the last few years. Uh, we wa- After we did the Christmas Carol episode last year, we watched the Christmas Carol he did that lost. So we the actually musical? The musical. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It has Jesse Martin and Jane Kaczmarek in it. No, Jane Krakowski, Jane Krakowski oh is in it. I'm yeah. sorry. See, this is what I've been doing. I'm old now, and I know exactly who I'm talking about. But I say someone else's name that is similar. It's like it's like but um, you were also just watching Malcolm in the Middle yesterday. I saw a picture yesterday of Fair. Jane Kaczmarek like at an awards thing. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, we watched that one. Um, we watched. He did another uh, Christmas Carol takeoff like two years ago. Either for was that for Lifetime or for Hallmark? I think it was for Lifetime. It's for Lifetime with his daughter in it, where he's. It's kind of a Groundhog Day meets Christmas Carol because he keeps dying and coming back. It's a Groundhog Day meets It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I saw that. The 12 Days of Christmas Eve, it's called. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it's his daughter. He gets into a car accident, mm-hmm. but Santa Claus gives him 12 chances to redo the day and repair the relationships of his life. It's a festive Groundhog Day. Yes. Yep, we watched that. And and he did a movie years ago that we... Did Josh buy me that as a gift on DVD, or did you buy it? Josh bought it for me, I thought. Okay. Uh, called Mr. St. Nick, where he is <laughs> Santa's son, but prefers to like hang out in Florida with the gals by the pool than, you know, take up the mantle of Santa Claus. And it's very, very silly and wacky. It's actually pretty fun. So Kelsey should have been on the uh, Advent Calendar House way more by this point. You would think uh, you would think, but uh, <laughs> he, he'll probably I'm going to have to do most of these at some point in the future. <laughs> I know Mr. St. Nick is on my list to do, but like I keep pushing it back and pushing it back. But for Frazier, I, I was not like like Cheers was on. Like, it doesn't mean I actually enjoyed it, given my age at the time. Yeah, like I'm, I'm two years younger than Joey. So it was You're like, the same age as Mike. Right. Yeah. yeah and I'm like a month younger than you. Exactly. So it was just like there. I mean, because Joey recalls actually having watched it like with some sort of regularity. I was just like, okay, it's on. But I was I was absolutely 100 percent in on Frasier. And that's weird because it's not not because of the character from Cheers, but because I enjoyed the show Frasier. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I I also got like an AOL account around the same time that that this episode aired. (laughs) Yeah. We finally got a computer in 1996. Okay. And the internet in like 1997, but it was only like 10 hours a month. That sounds about right. So I was on news groups. Yeah. (laughs) If I wasn't talking about Mr. Science Theater, I had like, I made like a friend in a chat room once and I would like email about Frasier. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. (laughs) That's what this podcast is missing. More talk about mid 90s internet. And then, you know, I, I I actually wanted to look at a picture once because like Jane Leaves was on a thing and and it took, I think, like two hours to download. Yeah, because I was on thirty four hundred bods. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't think. No, when we first got see, my dad worked for you worked for Bell Atlantic. So Ooh, look at you. So did my aunt. We we started on twenty eight. On twenty eight. No, no which, I, I was. Yeah. It was sad. Man, that's like the. And day. if somebody called, <laughs> it was it was it was completely lost. <laughs> downloading yeah. a picture of Jane leaves. That's like you know living in your uh, parents' cellar. Downloading a picture of Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> 
watcher. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I love this episode. This episode is fabulous. Ham Radio is amazing. I'm trying to think of, of other favorite episodes. I really like Flower Child. Um, and and the first 10 minutes of Three Valentines are absolutely perfect. The one with uh, Michael Keaton? No. Has, no? Yeah, I thought you liked that one a lot. Okay. okay, you were you were over the moon about it. Um, it's great. He's uh, Lilith's uh, shady brother. Okay, huh? Um, he's a schemer, and the way Fraser uh, referred to him, he said that charm is the viscous grease with which he oils his flim flam machine. <laughs> wow, that's that's a very <laughs> Fraser sentence. Yes. Also, for the record, I have been watching the new Frasier on Paramount Plus. Aaron wasn't really interested. It's like, I don't know. It's OK. I haven't finished it yet, but basically it's like they dropped Frasier into a modern CBS sitcom that's like shot on digital with, you know, just actors and the style of like a, a modern CBS sitcom. They recast his son, Frederick, and it's kind of weird because hmm. the actor who played Freddie is still acting. He was on Mad Men. He pops up and stuff. Huh. But now he's way taller and a firefighter. And it's sort of he's odd. Blue collar. Therefore, it's like it's like it's basically Martin and Frazier, but opposite. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's not bad. It's is just it professor? different. It's Frazier a professor? Yeah. Yeah. He Frazier basically. So after this, the original series ended in the finale, he moves to Chicago. Spoilers. <laughs> and according to the new Frazier, he basically had the career of Dr. Phil and had a, a oh. TV show for like 15 years that started as like a quasi like version of his TV show where he was trying to help people. And by the end, he's just like all in on doing like Ellen DeGeneres type daytime talk show, wacky stunts and just super <laughs> hamming it up. So he's finished the show and now he's obscenely rich and he ends up in Boston. Oh, he's even richer now. And he moves to Boston. Goes back to Boston. Yeah. He he sort of becomes a guest lecturer at Harvard. Enjoyed his time at Cheers. That's what I didn't like about Frazier. Every time they had like a guest star from Cheers, he would reminisce about like, oh, I loved my time at Cheers. Like it was like he was tenured or something. And he and it was his <laughs> alma mater. Like, it was. <laughs> no, no, nobody does that. Nobody's like, oh, I loved my time at the Olive Garden. It's not like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Cheers is like the Olive Garden. <laughs> it's just a place to go you yeah. know, they're your family well there it is that's what they acted like yeah. yeah well I wanted to see what the consensus was among people who have made lists of the show's best episodes on the internet uh, there was a list from Variety that ranks Look Before You Leap as number 19 out of all of them a <laughs> uh, very old looking and sounding fan site called Fraser Online <laughs> Ranked every episode by viewer review, and this one uh, had a 10th on the list. Oh, OK. But then Thrillist did a list in 2022 that puts Look Before You Leap at number two Ooh. behind Ham Radio. Oh. What about is there an alt.tv.fraser out there? Somewhere? Probably. I didn't I didn't look for that one. I didn't dig quite that far back. I'm trying to think of any other episode that was particularly great. Like, um. Oh, gosh. I don't really know. Um, there's a lot that are really solid. There's some that are just like, wah, wah. Yeah. But um, but they're never bad. No. So, I mean, I had so much fun watching this, so I, I may have to do some more digging a little later. If you ever do a Valentine's episode, do three Valentines. Two out of the three are fabulous. 
And the third one is just kind of there. It's nice, but it's not nearly as strong. Okay. Actually, um, I think that Three Valentines was it, they build it really like strong. They're like you you've never laughed so hard in the first ten minutes of your life or something like that. <laughs> like it, it's the it's gonna be the funniest thing you see all year. Like yes. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to add this episode to your Leap Day festivities, Look Before You Leap is from Season 3, Episode 16 of Fraser's Original Run. You can watch it on Hulu, Paramount Plus, or Amazon Prime Video. It first aired February 27th, 1996 on NBC. Close enough. Mm-hmm. That's what I was wondering. I, wanted to, I, f- I figured you would look that up because I didn't get a chance to. He would look before he leaped. Yes. That's right. Fraser was a Tuesday night show and NBC was not about to shift things around on must-see TV Thursdays in the heyday of Friends and Seinfeld. Well, I mean, let's let's think about it. Supposedly, this whole episode takes place on that day and that seems kind of impossible, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into that in a bit, yeah. <laughs> They could have run this on on Leap Day because every show on Must See TV Thursday that Leap Day was a rerun. Oh, man. (laughs) So they could have done it, but. Missed opportunity. But let's leap into this one. And we open with Fraser's dad, Martin, played by John Mahoney. Hey, Daphne, you seen Eddie? No, I haven't. This doesn't feel right to start the day without him licking me awake. Well, don't look at me. And since I wasn't much of a Fraser watcher, I know him best as the dad from Say Anything. He's also played um, David Hyde Pierce and Kelsey Grammer's father on at least two other things. Other than The Simpsons? Other than the, well, the Simpsons, other than the Simpsons is one. That's one, yeah. But then there was another show. Oh, gosh, what was it called? It was something like... Um, like I don't know. Oh, it, was, it was basically about like like famous actor and, and like the people who played their father. It, it, Whatever, okay. I forget what it was called. I don't, know. I don't know. I didn't see Say Anything until, man, like the mid-late 2000s. So oh, okay. I mainly know John Mahoney as the dad. As he okay. He's so, he's so great. And you, what uh, uh, Primal Fear, is that the movie he's in? Yeah. Yeah. I never saw Say Anything. Oh, really? Okay. I've seen Wolf. <laughs> is he in Wolf? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Primal Fear. Eight Men Out is the other one that comes to mind for me. He was he was the manager of the Black Sox in Eight Men Out. Oh, wow. I haven't seen Eight Men Out in so long since like junior high, at least. But like we did with Kelsey Grammer, because, listen, everyone in Frasier is best known from Frasier. But <laughs> uh, I decided instead this is a holiday podcast. I'm going to try and find some festive connections for everyone in the main cast who appears on this episode. Nice. And John Mahoney was in a 1986 TV movie called The Christmas Gift, starring John Denver. Aww. And Muppets? No, no Muppets. Uh, John Mahoney (laughs) plays the mayor of, quote, a small mystical town in Colorado where everyone believes in Santa Claus. Well, as they should. Right. Yeah, that I didn't watch it yet, so I might have to put it on the list now, and I'm, I'm intrigued. Also here is Martin's caretaker, Daphne, played by Jane Leaves, who was also in the 90s remake of Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, cool. Which I didn't see. <laughs> uh, she she worked. It's different. The whole plot's different, but she worked for the competitor store that tries to discredit Chris Kringle in that movie. So she's a bad guy. Oh, no. <laughs> D- great, though. 
a mean British person. How dare she? <laughs> but here, Martin asks Daphne if she's seen the true breakout star of the show, the dog Eddie. I remember the dog being such a big deal for like a year or so. Yeah, Eddie was a star. That was, I don't know, between him and the the duck and the chick on Friends. It was a good time to be a pet on NBC. Yeah. Excuse me. His name is Moose. His name is Moose. <laughs> yes, yes, his name is Moose. <laughs> and I have a Christmas connection for Moose. <laughs> Moose was born on Christmas Eve. Aww. I know that um, on Celebrity Jeopardy, David Hyde Pierce missed a question about Jack Russell Terriers. <laughs> <gasps> rude but we're not talking about christmas eve so fraser took the dog for a walk on an unusually warm february morning he says it was 80 degrees outside in the morning in seattle yeah in seattle in february in february that seems very unusual let's check the almanac shall we (laughs) (laughs) oh 80 degrees Fahrenheit in Seattle in February would have been a record high for all of February. In real life, the record is 70. The actual morning of February 29th, 1996 in Seattle, it was near freezing and only reached a high of 52 that afternoon. Well, maybe it wasn't in real time. (laughs) No, in the Fraser verse. The Fraser verse it's a glorious summer-like day that he says defies you not to take a moment to acknowledge the power that created it. And Martin yells out the window, Thank you, global warming! Thank you, Martin. <laughs> you applauded that line yes. when you watched it. That's not- <laughs> then he asks Fraser if he could have a bottle of scotch sent to his buddy in Montana for his 16th birthday. And here's where we learn it's Leap Day. Martin's friend is actually turning 64, but because he is a leapling, he's only had 16 true birthdays. And apparently a bunch of Martin's old army buddies are flying into Montana for the birthday party. So Daphne asks him why he isn't going. And Frazier agrees, you should go. And here's where he realizes, Oh, Dad, this birthday only comes around once every four years. As a matter of fact, this day only comes around once every four years. Hmm. You know, it's like a free day, a gift. We should do something special. Be bold. It's leap year. Take a leap. You know, I was just about to say the same thing to you. (laughs) But Martin insists it's too far of a flight and adds he doesn't see Daphne taking any big leaps, suggesting she should change her hairstyle like she always whines about, he says. I should do something with my hair. It's too long. I should cut my hair. Should I get it cut like Princess Di? (laughs) Oh, do you think that'd make my cheeks look too fat? That reminds me of the craziest thing my Grammy Moon used to say. Here's where I want to point out. John Mahoney was English. Yes. Yes. But I think he's like doing a voice here, but he doesn't really have a strong British accent with his real voice. No, no. He like... He was born in England and Mm -hmm. he was raised there, but. It's like when David Tennant, who is Scottish, does a Doctor Who voice, like, like English because they wanted to be English. Sure. Somehow Peter Capaldi got out of that. And then (laughs) on Jessica Jones, he has a different English accent. That sounds like he's making fun of the first one. So (laughs) (laughs) I haven't gotten to Capaldi yet, but I'm like at the very beginning of Matt Smith right now. But after some goading back and forth, including by Fraser. Are you up to the leap year challenge? 
Daphne agrees to get her hair done, and Martin agrees to fly to Montana, but immediately asks Fraser, what's your big leap year challenge? And Fraser reminds him he'll be on that night's PBS pledge drive singing the song Buttons and Bows. Yeah, but you did that last time. <laughs> From Paleface. Yeah, more yeah. about the song later. But oh, yes. <laughs> Martin calls out Fraser because he's apparently sung that song for the last three years in a row. But Fraser insists he's doing something remarkably fresh and different with it this year. And he sure does, but. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We now come to the arrival of Fraser's brother, Niles. Good morning, Niles. Good. It's glorious. Heaven sent. And you know why? Maris called. She wants to get together with me this evening. Oh, Niles, that's wonderful news. It's high time you and Maris sat down and talked through your problems. She doesn't want to talk. When she says get together, she means in the you wear the creme fraiche, I'll lick it off sense. Let's see what festive things David Hyde Pierce has done. Not a lot, but I found one special, one cartoon he did a voice in, something from 2000 called The Tangerine Bear, Home in Time for Christmas. What? He does a lot of voice acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one was based on a book, and it sounds like it's a misfit toys type of story. David Hyde Pierce voices a cuckoo clock bird who's afraid of coming out of his clock. Aw. He's agoraphobic. That sounds about right. Yeah, starring like, Tom Bosley and Jenna Elfman and Howie Mandel. I've been seeing a lot of Tom Bosley. The titular tangerine bear is a teddy bear built with an upside down smile voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> you mean a frown? Yeah, no, but like his smile was put on upside down. Aww. But it's year 2000, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So it's like his late teens. Yeah, he still got to work. Trisha Yearwood is the narrator. It is David Lander, John Polito, and uh, Charlotte Ray. Quite a cast. I may or may not have to add that down the road. But but David Hyde Pierce was also in a 2005 Broadway production of A Wonderful Life, a musical adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life as Clarence the Angel. He's currently preparing to play the very model of a modern major general in an upcoming revival of the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, I think I've heard his brother sing about that before. He sure have. I have not seen the Julia Child like special miniseries. I know that that he plays um, the husband. Oh, yeah. But the Pirates of Penzance brings us back on topic because that's (laughs) about a young man planning to leave his pirate apprenticeship upon reaching his 21st birthday. But it's not his 21st birthday <gasps> because he was born on Leap Day. Oh really? Goodness, it's so circular. That's a plot point in the Pirates of Penzance? That is a plot point in the Pirates of Penzance, yes. <laughs> There's a whole song about it. Everything I know about that is from, it's from either um, uh, Sideshow Bob singing it or Yakko Warner singing a parody of it. Right. That's about all I know. <laughs> Giant carrot on the Muppet Show. I know that um, that they use Pirates of Penzance to like cover up something that Julia Roberts said in, in Pretty Woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. you're right. <laughs> she said, it's so funny. I almost beat my pants. And she's like, she liked it better than Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this leap day, Niles is how you say in rare form. <laughs> 
Jittery, even. <laughs> yeah, there's a word. <laughs> he announces his estranged wife, Maris, wants to get together that evening, which Fraser thinks means they're going to talk through their problems. But Niall specifies it's in the you wear the creme fraiche, I'll lick it off sense. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense because I think she's allergic to food. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can't even make a mental picture because here's how much I didn't know about Fraser going into this. I don't think we ever actually see Maris. Nope. No, she's she's like George's wife in Cheers, get it? <laughs> Norm's okay. wife. No, no. George Went. George Went. See, George this is what I'm talking about. I know what I'm saying. Joey has to translate it because my brain is lost. <laughs> but I know what I'm saying and he knows what I'm saying. George Went's character's wife. We got there. Yes, there. <laughs> Do you want to eat beans with George Went? Yes. Okay. We got there too, which is more important. <laughs> there it is. So thankfully, Fraser explains to us, me especially, that at this point, Niles and Maris have been separated for three months, and he's concerned that the two aren't talking out their issues and only meeting up for quick sexy time, which Niles says he's very much in need of at the moment, says ever since the separation, he's been paying women to touch him, manicurists, <laughs> pedicurists, facialists. Says, whenever you see a man who's well-groomed, you can bet he's not getting any. And after <laughs> some back and forth, Fraser finally convinces Niles to tell Maris no. But Niles says it won't be easy. Right as Daphne walks in with breakfast and asks, Would you like me to butter your buns for you, Dr. Craig? <laughs> and Niles' hand holding a coffee cup just shakes. Spoiler alert, folks. Niles and Daphne end up married. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have a son at the end of the series or is that a flash forward? Yes, he's also on he's also on New Fraser. He's a student at Harvard and oh. is kind of basically young Sheldon. Okay. <laughs> that's how he's portrayed. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's the end of Act One, and we then fade into Act Two, which opens with the title card No, but I hear Oleg Cassini takes that bus. <laughs> I looked up that sentence in quotes on Google to get exactly two results back. And both were transcripts of this episode. <laughs> I mean, the title cards are usually wonderful commentary, but yeah, I don't think I don't know what that reference was. Well, did you simply look up Oleg Cassini? Yeah. Sure did. Okay. <laughs> he was a Hollywood fashion designer who also worked as Jacqueline Kennedy's secretary of style. Okay. okay there you go. I don't know. It'll make sense in a minute. What it won't do is be funny. <laughs> well, the title cards aren't always funny, but sometimes they are. No, but 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 I figured it out and it's dumb. But we're at Fraser's radio station, K-A-C-L, which are real call letters of an actual radio station yep. in Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs> but here's the thing. That station went on the air in 1997. This episode is older than the real KACL. <laughs> they stole Fraser's call letters. Uh, an old friend of mine, when she started working in radio in Seattle, I think the very first thing I said to her was like, you know, you're going to be in competition with KACL. Are you going to be up for CB? <laughs> yes, I probably said that to her, too. The CB Awards are a running Fraser uh, <laughs> theme. There's a bunch of seasons. That's the local radio awards for Seattle. Okay. And Fraser desperately wants to win one in many seasons. Is it S-E-A-B? Yes. yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Bismarck's KACL is an FM, quote, classic hits station, which is a way of saying 80s music, but make it sound old. Mm -hmm. 
80s music is old now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But Fraser walks in singing buttons and bows to the dread of his producer, Roz. Yes. You're all mine in buttons and bows. Oh, God, it must be PBS pledge time again. (laughs) Played by Perry Gilpin, who was also the voice of Superman villain Volcana in the animated series. I really am shocked that Perry has not done more voice work in her career because she has such a great voice. She does. You know who her father is, right? I Yeah. Uh, okay. Where is it? Jim O'Brien from yep. Philadelphia's own Channel 6 Action News. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long she lived here, but she did live here for a time. For a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When did he die? 1983. So yeah. not long. I know um, Perry Gilpin is in a Valentine's movie on Hallmark. Oh, didn't see. I, I'm not looking up Valentine's stuff. Maybe I should be. But she played Doris Walker in a stage production of Miracle on 34th Street opposite Alfred Molina as Chris Kringle. Oh, <laughs> the power of the sun in the palm of your hand. You never knew how much I wanted to see Alfred Molina play Santa. but <laughs> And spoilers, she comes up. She shows up in the Christmas episode of New Fraser. Yes, which is the finale, which I haven't gotten to yet. But yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Whoops. But I knew that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Roz is in no mood to hear Fraser talk about what a beautiful day it is because she claims she has lost the love of her life. She explains her car wouldn't start, so she had to take the bus. And they're all crowded on there, and suddenly she smells Lagerfeld. And I look up, and there he is. And Fraser asks, Carl Lagerfeld? <laughs> And that's where the punchline, no, but I hear Ollie Cassini takes that bus. Yes, that's where I thought it was going. (laughs) uh, Now I get it and I hate it. (laughs) But Ross says, no, she met a man named Gary and believes they were really connecting. But when she got off the bus to let people out behind her, the bus drove away before she could get back on. The love of her life. How many people actually get off the bus to let out people behind them? I don't know. That must have been a really crowded bus. I mm-hmm. don't remember ever being on a bus quite that crowded. I don't remember even being on like a, a train that crowded before. Mm-hmm. People just shift around and we make it work. Except the time my friend and I went to the Phillies uh, World Series parade where we were squished into the SEPTA train. And- oh, forget it. <laughs> yeah. But Fraser suggests telling that story on the air to try and find her Gary, but she doesn't want to sound pathetic on the air to half a million listeners. But it's two o'clock, time to start the show, and Fraser begins telling his audience, I'm thinking a lot today about leap year. Today is February 29th. And although it isn't an official holiday, perhaps it could be looked upon as one in a metaphorical sense, just as Christmas reminds us to be generous of spirit. So leap year reminds us to take a leap in our own lives, to be bold, to try something new. Too often we shrink from doing things we really want to, held back by, oh, appearing foolish, perhaps. Roz? <laughs> just the way he says it and looks at her like, Roz. <laughs> <laughs> she turns his head. <laughs> that we can see, the radio people can't see, but you can like hear his head turn. Uh-huh. <laughs> just calls her out right there, asks if there's anything she'd like to say before they start taking calls. She immediately says into the microphone, no. no. 
But Frazier won't let up and finally goes in with, did you know that a woman over the age of 30 has less chance of getting married than being killed in a terrorist attack? I don't think that's <laughs> true, Frazier. I don't think I wrote. I don't think that's true anymore. I don't think that was ever true. No, no I, I, I think he was. Yeah. Goading her. <laughs> yeah. It was enough to get into her head. She finally cracks and turns on her mic. This is to Gary. I was on the number seven bus around noon and. And you were a stockbroker with a tan briefcase and a cleft chin, and, and the bus was really crowded, and we both reached for the hand strap, and our hands touched, and we laughed, and you said I had a really great laugh, and I said you had a really great laugh, and we laughed at that. <laughs> anyway, uh, you asked me if I were free on Friday, but we got separated before I could give you my phone number, which I would have because I really liked you, and I thought you were cute. And then she clasps her hands over her mouth, mortified after pouring her heart out on the air like that. (laughs) So Frazier takes over, tells Gary if he's listening, give them a call and goes to commercial. And I believe after Roz quips, how could I say I really liked you and thought you were cute? Who am I, Marsha Brady? (laughs) We also go to commercial. Well, we'll be right back for more calls and more on the search for Gary after this news break. May I take your order, sir? Indeed you may. This morning, I succumb to the pleasures of McDonald's bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit extra value meal. Ah, yes. A bounty of tender bacon, a gently fluffed and folded egg. The reassurance of golden melted cheese with crispy hash browns and a small fresh brewed coffee. Well done, lads. A bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit extra value meal worthy of the name... Bob. Have you had your break? Bob. Today. Remember that show back. Hello, TV lovers. We want to know if you remember that show? The Retro Network's newest nostalgia-filled podcast that will have you flipping the channels of your memories and discovering vintage entertainment that's gotten lost in the static of years gone by. We're your hosts and we want to introduce ourselves. I'm Adam Pope. And I'm William Bruce West. Each month on Remember That Show, we will discuss a different obscure or forgotten TV show from the 80s or 90s that we love, hate, or want to debate. We'll be reliving some of our favorite TV moments from the good old days and occasionally cracking the lenses of our rose-colored glasses. It's all happening here on the Retro Network. So remember, when you're looking for the best in nostalgic entertainment, you just have to ask yourself one question. Well, we've returned after those messages, but Fraser will be right back for more calls and more on the search for Gary after this news break. And that's when Niles bursts in and announces, Good news. I figured out a way I can have sex and we can all be happy. <laughs> As I pause to make sure that the on-air light is off. <laughs> Which was my first thought, too. Yeah, but Niles, who very casually explains he was driving and trying hard not to notice the provocative decals truckers have on their mud flaps. What a weird thing to exist, by the way. You know what this mud flap needs? A silhouette of a pretty lady. (laughs) (laughs) It's also like Niles never noticed them before until then. Things like that just mystify Frazier and Niles, like like they'll they'll comment on things that are like common to blue collar and 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 be like like how does that exist you know and and they're not wrong but yeah <laughs> like he probably didn't know that they were mud flaps until he like had to look it up what are those oh but 
Niall said he heard Fraser's speech about taking a leap and breaking out of familiar patterns, and that's the perfect excuse for Niles. So claims, hey, sleeping alone has been my pattern. <laughs> that's cheating. That's like saying, I'm giving up some food I hate anyway for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser tells Niles if he really thought being with Maris was the right thing to do, he'd already be there with her. But no, he's at the radio station asking Fraser for his permission. And Niles, who's now in the bargaining stage of being a dog in heat, <laughs> asks, what if we don't have sex? What if we just snuggle? And that's what Roz walks into. <laughs> and then Niles follows Roz into her booth saying, I never noticed what a perky little walk you have. And just, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of moments like that with Niles and Daphne, especially over the years. Don't know the show. And I, I gather you don't really know the show. Niles and Roz do not get along. Oh, OK. So that's extra surprising. But from the moment he saw Daphne, he's been absolutely in love, um, regardless of Maris, because Maris is not lovable. But um, <laughs> Maris is, is not a, a, a very good partner. OK. So it was it was not a great marriage in the first place. However, um, Daphne and Roz are always at odds. So the fact that he found Roz attractive all of a sudden is very suspicious. OK, well, yeah, that that does explain a lot. Speaks volumes. <laughs> OK, but yeah, at that point, yeah, maybe that's why Fraser grabs him, tell him to get control of himself. Niles finally relents. You're right. I have to marshal myself discipline. So he leaves the recording booth. And we see him through the window, passed by a woman walking the other direction, and he immediately turns around to follow her. So Fraser sees this as well, opens the door, and throws a glass of water in his face. <laughs> I mean, plenty of radio stations have, you know, a window like that. Yeah. But uh, the idea of using it for, you know, physical silent comedy in the background on this show is used numerous times, and it's just a great, you know comedic trope to have there in their back pocket it's also um it, it is it's it's fact it'll come up in a few minutes yes um, yes often Frazier will be on the air and things will be happening behind him that either contradict or directly um like we know what's going to happen and it's going to be bad for him <laughs> um it's it, it's really a, a great little um set of scenery that we have and the ability to do that in the show yeah they use it for comedic effect multiple times in this episode Roz asks what's wrong with Niles, and Fraser tells her, oh, ignore him. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how otherwise rational people can be turned into babbling ninnies by their hormones, which is exactly what Roz does when she looks out the window and sees Gary has come to find her, and he's brought flowers. Oh, my God! It's Gary! Oh, my God! He's here! He's here! So she almost hits like a Miss Piggy high note when she sees she him. She does. She's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Gary is played by Justin Gorentz, who around this time was a regular on The Young and the Restless. Later, he was on a show called Ocean Avenue, a Swedish soap opera set and filmed in Miami. Is it inspired by Yellow Card? I wish. <laughs> was Yellow Card inspired by this show? I don't know which came first. <laughs> I was just hung up on Swedish soap opera in Miami. But he was also in the movie From Justin to Kelly, a few episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and his acting credits stopped in 2005. But he was born on Boxing Day. <laughs> There's your connection. It went to Penn. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, Roz runs out and greets Gary as Fraser informs his listeners that Cupid's arrow has hit the mark. And that has inspired him to take a little leap of his own. And he announces on the air that instead of his usual performance of buttons and bows during the PBS pledge drive that night, he'll be singing a very challenging aria from Verdi's Rigoletto, <laughs> something he says he's never attempted outside the shower. That bodes well. <laughs> yeah. He says he hopes his leap turns out as well as Roz's has. But Roz, meanwhile, in the hallway with Gary, finds out Gary is married. You know, I was getting a little nervous the way you were describing me on the air. <laughs> Why? Well, my wife listens to the show. You're married? Yeah, but it's okay. I still want to go out with you. And Roz takes the bouquet of flowers and starts hitting Gary on the head with it, like, repeatedly. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you... If you Watching Practical Jokers, there's one, there's there's a segment, and this is kind of an aside, um, there's a segment where, you know, they're supposed to sit next to somebody on a bench and say, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I'm a fan of this or whatever, and they're supposed to debate. Uh-huh. Um, wouldn't you agree that we shouldn't give flowers as gifts because they're just plant genitals? Is one of the questions they're supposed to be asking. So so Joe Gatta has, a, has an in-depth debate with two women sitting next to him, and they're like, but they're pretty. <laughs> like, but you shouldn't give us flowers. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, we can agree to disagree. But that's what I will always think of when I see bouquets. <laughs> Joe Gatto. Yes. Okay. He's not wrong. <laughs> but also hitting Gary repeatedly with a bouquet is the correct reaction to a married <laughs> person giving you flowers and asking you out. It's a beautiful visual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much for Raz's leap, but. We cut back to Fraser's apartment now later that evening as he practices singing his aria from Rigoletto. Oh, God. Perhaps they'll pledge to get you to stop singing. (laughs) He doesn't get past, you know, all because... No. um, He keeps getting interrupted. Yes. He keeps getting interrupted for good reason. The first time... um, What happens? Well, Well, Mike will tell you. Yes, sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. I'll get there in a minute. First, let's talk about Rigoletto. (laughs) (laughs) it's an 1851 opera based on a victor hugo play it is a tragedy about a court jester named rigoletto whose daughter falls in love with a duke and sacrifices her life to save that duke from an assassin who it turns out was hired by rigoletto (gasps) tragedy Probably the most famous aria from it is called La Donna e Mobile, which is the one that goes da 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 da. But that's not the one Fraser's singing. He's chosen to sing. Give me a second. It's a long one. Ella mi fu rapita parmi vedere le lagrime. Sorry if I butchered that, but. The only Italian I know is what I could catch from my neighbor growing up who was from Italy. We called her little grandma. She was my friend's great grandmother. His grandma was taller. So this was little grandma. Oh, that's sweet. That's adorable. Yeah. Anyway, here's what it's supposed to sound like. And I'm cutting in Pavarotti singing that. And Kelsey Grammer, famously a good singer. You know, I've seen him perform live. Really? In 1996, because he sang the Star Spangled Banner before Major League Baseball's All-Star Game in Philadelphia. And I was there, too. Yeah. But I, I know we've talked about this online before. I must have missed that. I don't remember being there. 
and seeing Kelsey Grammer sing the national anthem. I was at the all-star game that year though. Okay. I saw Mark McGuire. You saw Mark McGuire. I almost caught that Ken Caminiti home run. It was like a section to my right, but first reference to Ken Caminiti on this podcast. We got it. (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I could probably look it up, but I never bothered to. Um, nothing I do here is ever looked up. It's just like what I know and what I remember. Um, <laughs> and if I get the names wrong, Joey will correct me. Um, so I know that Frazier, Kelsey Grammer, was into theater, but he didn't really find the teachers. Very, I've seen plenty of interviews from him at various times. Um uh-huh. But he but he's like, oh, be like a willow tree. And he's like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But I don't recall him actually talking about having sung anywhere before. He just happens to have a good voice. Is that I don't know if he actually. I think that's it. Yeah. And I get I don't know. I don't know what led to him singing the Star Spangled Banner at the All-Star game. But but we got there. But struggling with this particular aria it's so bad that niles who comes in says perhaps they'll pledge to get you to stop singing <laughs> he adds he did warn fraser he was getting into a dangerous aria uh-huh and this is like the one time where david Hyde pierce as niles ever goes like Haha. because and i will tell you now i know this that once upon a time when he was very young david Hyde pierce learned that when he's telling a joke People tend to find it funnier if he doesn't react to his own joke. So it's always, always, always deadpan. And this is the one time I think I've ever seen him not be. I mean, that's that's the right. Yeah. Like he's doing a bit. Of, get it. That's that's a yeah. very Fozzie Bear joke. <laughs> like, haha, I laugh at my own joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that joke was better than the title card from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> he also um, is. is um, I know that he wanted to be a concert pianist. It just huh. he he. he you know, fell in love with acting after he had already started his career. He'd always played the piano. Okay. So he's actually a very accomplished pianist. Um, he will often be seen playing the piano in Frasier. Right. He plays the piano here. Uh, he's getting out of a cold shower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that Frasier hoped would cool him off, but it hasn't worked. <laughs> Niall says it's clearly an old wives tale because I'm still thinking of my old wife's tale. Bum <laughs> bum. Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> Frazier admits, well, I suppose it stood to reason being showered with coldness only would bring Maris more to mind. (laughs) Frazier tells him he knows it's difficult, but you're not just someone who can be ordered to perform at will. Now sit and play. (laughs) Yes. They don't get very far into rehearsing before Martin storms in and slams the door. It turns out his attempt at taking a leap also ended in disaster. 15 minutes out, a flock of Canadian geese flew into one of our engines. They were the lucky ones. So they had to turn around and make an emergency landing. Martin had to slide head first into six feet of foam. <laughs> and of course, in Niles's current state, his first question is, so were the stewardesses also covered in foam? <laughs> Which is so This whole story that Martin tells is really harrowing. This would have been like the lead story on the news that night, you know? Right, right. Well, they're too caught up in their own stories to have watched the news. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, this is a big (laughs) life event. But he wouldn't have been back at the apartment. Like, they they would have been there for a bit longer. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Time makes no sense in this episode. It's a very (laughs) long day. Yes. That's 80 degrees in the morning, so just... (laughs) 
Frazier says he and Niles are both there for their dad if he needs them. And Martin admits in times like that, all he can think of is your loved ones and how you wish you'd spent more time with them. So he calls for Eddie and heads to his room. <laughs> and now Frazier's worried his advice to take a leap has turned out badly now for both his dad and Roz. So now he's wondering if his Aria won't turn out well either. But Niles insists they're two isolated incidents. So let's get back to rehearsing. But then... <laughs> the door slams again and it's Daphne who's back from getting her hair did and it's this wild teased up 80s disaster it is a Tina Turner wig <laughs> I didn't think of Tina Turner but yeah yep. <laughs> it looks very much like a Tina Turner early <laughs> mid 80s wig <laughs> yeah just and she's in tears to boot like thick rivers of mascara running down her face and Jane Leaves just stands there as the live studio audience sounds like they're also in tears from laughing out loud. <laughs> they take a good 10 seconds, and it's a great little pause in the dialogue. <laughs> Only for Niles to comment first. Oh, well, these infertile temptations never end. <laughs> Daphne asks if it's as bad as she thinks it is, and Fraser pauses before asking... <laughs> How bad do you think it is? That would actually be my reaction. If somebody <laughs> asked me the same, I would that that is very likely what I would have told them. <laughs> it's it's a it's a great comeback, but <laughs> before she answers, she just furiously shouts, Take a leap! Children pointing, your fault. <laughs> I love that. I love that whole moment. <laughs> your fault. Your fault. <laughs> just a growl as she storms <laughs> off to her room. And that's the last straw for Niles, who tells Frazier no one who's followed his advice to take a leap has ended up better for it. So he guns down his drink, chucks the glass into the fireplace, <laughs> and heads off to meet Maris. Frazier calls after him in the most sideshow Bob he sounds in this episode. You will rule the day! And here is the line of the episode. Yeah. I don't care. Niles gotta have it. <laughs> the way that he shakes when he says that is so fabulous. Um, so early, early in Frasier, they hadn't discovered that he has a real knack for physical comedy yet. Okay. Um. So he's just you know playing the straight man against you know Frasier's you know whinings and whatever. Right. And then somehow somebody realized like a switch turned and. He 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 then, you know, began doing some like slapsticky physical comedy, but it's subtle. It's it's very yeah. much within his character. Okay. But it's so effective. Like like the way he's he goes, no, it's gonna come. like like just the little like <laughs> movements that he makes when when he's leaving, like he's shaking. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like even earlier with the cup, with the coffee cup. Uh-huh. Uh, no, it was all per like he's great at it. You're right. It is subtle, but it like it's very effective. He's one of the all-time great casting discoveries ever. Because watch those episodes of of Cheers. He really, really looks like he should be related to young Kelsey Grammer. Oh yeah. I know that he actually did not have very much acting experience before he was hired, simply because of the strength of the resemblance. Okay. But it, I mean, but he's actually fab. I I feel like for every year of Frazier, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, good. Yeah. Well-deserved. He won four times. He won a bunch of times for sure. Okay. 
But that's the end of that act, which brings us to our final title card of the episode, a much simpler, huh? (laughs) That's it. That's the title card. (laughs) And we fade back into the PBS pledge drive. Fraser nervously looking over sheet music as his piano player Pete arrives. And Pete is played by Murphy Dunn from the Blues Brothers Band. Oh, I didn't realize that. Hi, Doc. I hear you're doing something new this year. Whoa. What, is it too hard for you? For me? No, I'm, I'm worried about you. I can hit any note. See? If you remember way back on Saturday Night Live, the band's original keyboardist was Paul Schaefer. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was not available for to do the movie. Yes, he's not in the movie. Right. So they brought in Murph. They brought in Murph and the rest is history. And he takes one look at the sheet music for Fraser's aria and goes, whoa. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the pledge drive phones is Roz having to explain to some child on the other end that Lamb Chop is not there and neither <laughs> is Big Bird. And then asks, do you have your mommy's credit card handy? <laughs> I wonder how many other kids tried to call into a PBS telethon. Did you ever try to call a phone number you saw on TV? Not like that. No. No. Okay, because I absolutely tried to call a number I saw on a PBS telethon. When they're like, get your parents in here. We'll wait. And it's like right. 10 seconds later, like, oh, I love Hi, parents. <laughs> I, lo- I remember the pause. I think, was my old copy of Christmas Eve on Sesame Street? Does it start with a pause like that? I think it does. Because <laughs> my parents, I think, kept the whole break into there. We talked about it. But. This was probably 40 years ago now, but yeah, it was Channel 12. I don't remember what I was trying to accomplish because <laughs> I didn't call in during a telethon. Whatever I was thinking is lost to time, but I think <laughs> I waited and tried calling the same number some other day when the telethon wasn't happening. You just wanted to chat with Kermit? Sure. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> telethon's over, so the number wasn't in service anymore. Like, I'll call him later. But- <laughs> But that was my introduction. We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Well, Fraser, now clearly worried, comes up to Roz and asks if she's still mad at him after his advice backfired. And she replies, no. After watching me crash and burn like that, you're going to go out and sing this very difficult song in a foreign language under these unflattering lights with your clothes soaked with sweat on live television. How long are you going to stay mad at me? Until the day I get married. (laughs) That's Roz in a nutshell. (laughs) Oh, she's great. Uh, But here's when when Pete, the piano player, comes, calls him back over, tells Fraser, for this section here, do you want me to play really loudly or jab you with a pin? Because between you and me, you're not hitting this no with a pole vault. <laughs> right as the stage manager tells Fraser 10 seconds till he's on, and that's it. Fraser's not doing the aria. Ross angrily shouts, you're going to back out after making us all take those stupid leaps? And Fraser admits, you bet I am. He says, an unwise man doesn't learn from his own mistakes, but an absolute idiot doesn't learn from other people's. and Roz adds but you promised all your listeners and (laughs) here's when Fraser shouts oh what's the difference who watches PBS which is what we say every time we see PBS of course (laughs) 
Who watches PBS? Right as the light turns on and the camera starts rolling. And he takes a moment before calmly adding, I'll tell you who. <laughs> and I lost it right here. I'll tell you who. I think I laughed at that part the the loudest, the hardest. <laughs> After Daphne's hair and Roz beating Gary with the flower, and even Niles got a habit. The biggest laugh for me is <laughs> I'll tell you who. I think you would actually really like Fraser. <laughs> I'm sure I would. I just I don't know. It just I forget what 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 else was on or if I was even watching TV that late at this point. I don't know. But <laughs> discerning cultured viewers like yourselves, he says. And, <laughs> Fraser says on camera, that's why he had intended to sing a rather challenging aria from Rigoletto. But who am I to ignore the dozens of phone calls requesting my signature piece? Which is a lie, but the people at home don't know that. But Roz's face gives it away. She's just like, what? She's like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> but without further ado, buttons and bows from Paleface. <laughs> East is East. And west is west, and the wrong one I have chosen. Let's go where you'll keep on wearing those da-da-da's and bobadoes and things and buttons and buttons and bows. Which doesn't seem like something Frazier would do anyway, but okay. Well, your thoughts on buttons and bows. (laughs) Well, do you just want to put in the history of buttons and bows. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> so, God, I hate it. <laughs> I only knew this from what we're about to discuss. Let's discuss the actual song before we discuss Fraser's performance. Sure. So only like three years ago, maybe, I thought to actually look up what <laughs> buttons and bows is and actually hear it and watch it. So we watched the clip. So first of all, it's from the movie Pale Face, actually the, the Pale, Pale Face, Face, which I I don't know what's which one's more offensive, but they're both offensive. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> a western. Is, so yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the it's Pale a Face Bob Hope western, and then there's a sequel, Son of the Pale Face, oh, also no. starring Bob Hope. Oh no, yep. yeah, yeah. So Bob Hope is the titular Pale Face. Piece. Yes, it's like a yeah. wacky comedy with uh, Jane yeah. Russell. I Jane think, Russell, and he's yeah. like. He's a coward pretending to be a brave hero out in the old west. It's that sort right. of thing. If I want that, I will just watch Three Amigos. I do not like Bob yeah. Hope. I don't think he's funny. I don't know why it's, people like him. It's very dated. So the clip of this song, Buttons and Bows, I don't have the Wikipedia in front of you. I'm sure you will have it in front of you. Uh, it was, it's a song, it's about, you don't get this from Fraser's performance, obviously, but it's just no. somehow how he doesn't like being in the old West and he wishes he was back East in the city where women dress up in buttons and bows yes. and the streets are paved and he doesn't have to ride around in a stagecoach. And he's like, right. street grows, as yes. it says. and he's like riding in the back of a, a stagecoach singing this. Let's go where you keep on wearing those frills and flowers and buttons and bows, rings and things and buttons and bows. And it was a massive hit song. It was it won the Academy Award for yes. best original song. Right. And it's just this trifle. Uh, Pee Wee Herman's close friend Dinah Shore had a big hit with it. Sinatra covered it. It's been covered in other languages. Noted leapling Dinah Shore, born on Leap Day. Ah, <laughs> oh. she was the first artist to record the song. 
then I found that the other, the, the son of the pale face scene, which I had also found on YouTube a few years ago, where it's Roy Rogers and Jane uh, Russell are singing it as a duet. Yeah. And uh, Bob Hope is there too as his character. And he keeps butting in, like they're singing it as a duet. And then he keeps like, like bragging, like I went to Harvard. Da, da, da. And he keeps oh, like, no, like, being like this, that a-hole like like awful i want a badge for being a, for rowing in a boat like a light bulb and he just interrupts them constantly it's so obnoxious he's just this like east coast snobby jerk i'm like this is this is your lovable like protagonist of the pale face saga he's <sighs> absolutely grating like he's, he's yeah. the most irritating person ever Ugh. and they continue singing and i don't get it yeah <laughs> i don't know the 1940s were weird it's just baffling that this song was a big was yeah like a, won an Oscar and was a hit for multiple artists. Yeah. When it's just this like trifle of like a character piece about his character in this Western comedy not liking being in the West. No, That's the whole he's of the song. He's playing the concertina, which is yes. like an accordion but smaller. Yes. Yeah, Paleface premiered Christmas Eve that year, but the song <laughs> itself. The song itself was published February 25th, 1948. It was also almost a leapling. It was. <laughs> Gene Autry also recorded a version of Buttons and Bows in 1948. It was his first single after Here Comes Santa Claus. Why? He went to the West. I don't know. The following year, he went back to Christmas and sang something about a reindeer. But... <laughs> <laughs> It's just baffling. I mean, you can even say, though, it was a different time of like popular culture and popular music. Like it's like barely two minutes long. There's nothing to it. And it was a hit. And uh, I knew nothing about it until very recently because I was curious finally about this nonsense that we're about to delve into. (laughs) Yeah, there's glorious nonsense. Frazier's the thing is. Because Fraser was trying to do this aria, he didn't have time to practice buttons and bows, so he forgets all the words. <laughs> Don't bury me with a thumping pee or something, la la la. Let's all go to a taco show in Ohio. There's a lot of la da 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 going on. He has the first few lines correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. So here's the thing. Um, we've talked on this podcast before how our brains are just indelibly broken by Simpsons quotes, the two of us. Yep. Uh, we're just as bad with Fraser's buttons and bows. Um, I don't know, but it's probably we don't go more than a few days without saying something like a palm capoose. When, when I think palm capoose, it's, I, it's, it's nonsense, right? But I believe in the actual song, they mention a papoose. Maybe. Oh. Probably. He said there's also the thing about. um uh, Oh, I forget now what I was going to say. Um, But yeah, yeah he says, you know, let's all go yes. to a taco show. So whenever we have, we have Mexican, we're going to a taco show. Of course. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. basically in our in our regular lives. Like, Absolutely. You go to a taco show? OK. Yes. Let's all go to the taco show. Our brains are indelibly warped by the nonsense that Frazier gets wrong in his performance of Buttons and Bows. Well, that's what I'll be saying every time. Swaddled like a baby, I say that it's in a palm capoose. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, yes, the, oh, the line, oh, yes, my bones denounce the, the, the fearful, fearful trounce. It's actually my bones denounce this buckboard bounce. Yes. Right. Which, because he's in a stagecoach. Right, because it's a Western and the cactus hurts my toes. But Yes. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fear, well, here's the thing. Let me tell you. <laughs> Whoever and whatever did the closed captioning for this on Paramount Plus, I watched it on Paramount Plus, not Hulu. Okay. They tried their best. <laughs> they, they just couldn't keep up with it. And I mean, neither could Frazier, but they couldn't keep up with Frazier failing to keep up. <laughs> He's clearly saying, My bones denounce the fearful trounce. Uh, but the captioning hears it as fearful trouts. <laughs> That's a scary fish. Yeah. No, scared fish. They're fearful. <laughs> and mole that grows instead of mold that grows, which is clearly what he says. But yes, we just say things like bopados. Bopados. Panda hop and pantyhose is the one that I wrote down. Something buppity buttons and bows. Uh, and so, sometimes we just randomly uh, text my friend Rachel and say, la da da da, buttons and bows. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like the melody of this song has been in my head for a month now since watching this and taking the notes for it. And I'll just be like, making breakfast for the kids and it's time for <laughs> eggs and clothes. <laughs> We're 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 pouring Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hippity dippity actually we're, we're we're all fixated on the nonsensical lyrics, but actually part of the best is the reaction and the look on Kelsey's face when he like spins around, he's like uh wiping his, his sweat off with a handkerchief and then yes. puts back in his in his pocket before he's fully turned around and it's right. it's so quick. <laughs> yeah, that was a real good move. He, like he turns around so you don't see him wiping his brow on camera, but you know what's going on. <laughs> he's just dancing like like Oh yeah, he's just, he's really <laughs> getting into it. It's just one of the greatest comedic moments ever. Oh, I love it. And like he ends with a hearty bow. And Roz just gives a satisfied smile. Just, I have my revenge. And then... Then we fade back to the apartment where Martin and Daphne have recorded the performance and are watching it back just giggling with delight. And they do that little, like, sh they both do that shimmy together. They do the shimmy. Both my shoulders, like... <laughs> And something and something and buttons, buttons and, bows. and bows. Daphne's wrapped her 80s mane in a towel, just says with a laugh. Oh, I bet this is one leap year, Dr. Crew. We'll be sorry to see the back off. <laughs> Martin tells Daphne to rewind it so they can watch it again, but Eddie runs up and grabs the remote and runs off. Good job, Moose. And that's the end of the episode. Almost. We get one more scene over the credits while Fraser's uh, doing a much better job singing about tossed salads and scrambled <laughs> eggs. A defeated Fraser opens the door to Niles, who gives him a hug. Niles shakes his head, implying he did not go to Maris after all. Or did he? Because as Fraser goes to get them drinks, we see Niles reach behind his ear and finds what I assume is a bit of creme fraiche. Yes. Yes. 
It's basically like like a sort of whipping cream. Yeah, which he hurriedly licks off his finger. <laughs> he gotta have it. Even even him doing that, like his eyebrows are going crazy. It's like, just like yeah. Just the physicality of the two of them in this episode is fabulous. Yeah, like like even wordless, it's great. But <laughs> but but that's the episode. <laughs> Certainly is. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this leap day edition of Frasier? Oh my gosh! I mean, it's just like I said. One of my, it might be my favorite episode. It's one of my favorite bits of comedy ever. Like I like I we reference that far too often, far too often. Yeah. Um, and I could have just gone on about the rest of the cast, how how wonderful everyone is on this show. They're all like I think John Mahoney's performances as Martin are incredible. Uh, we've gone on about David I. Pierce quite a bit. Uh, we could have talked about other things Kelsey has done. We didn't talk about you know. Hank McCoy. We didn't talk about Money Plane. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Money Plane. Where he play- Do you oh, know his character in Money Plane, Mike? Darius Grouch the Third, A.K.A. The oh. Rumble. Uh, that, that's the Edge movie, right? Yes, yes. that's the movie with Edge. Yes. <laughs> Where Edge okay. doesn't do any physicality. Yes. That's really? A, it's a, Okay, now I'm going to talk about Money Plane at the end of this episode. Okay. So, Money Plane is uh, it was done by the Lawrence brothers, like Joey Lawrence and his brothers. Oh, and really? they couldn't they they couldn't decide if it was going to be like a cheesy direct to video action movie or like a Sharknado, like funny haha in on the joke action movie. So it kind of falls huh. in between it's both of them. They hire a professional wrestler who is known for physicality. And they have him not do it. He's wow. in a cockpit. He's flying the money plane for like half the movie. He's like six foot four edge cramped inside yeah. of a plane cockpit for half the movie. Did not think Edge would be doing less physical work. Granted, he was retired at the time, but still. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. You're right. You're right. But, th- but he still wasn't doing anything to jog his neck, you know? He's, no. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't do the fights. The fighting is happening elsewhere in the plane while he's stuck in the cockpit. He has um, a fight scene in Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Have right? you watched that? Well, he's back in business now. He's yes. back in business now. So the other thing about Money Plane, yes. So so Kelsey is the bad guy, and he is, yes, Darius Grouch the third, a.k.a. The Rumble. The That's Rumble. his full name. <laughs> his last name is Grouch. And he shot all of his scenes clearly in someone's backyard, like by a pool. Like he's in a oh, villa and yeah. he's just outside. He's like, he's like, they've got like a fire pit going or whatever. He's got, he's got a bottle of wine and he's talking about, you want to do this? Money plane. You want to do that? Money plane. Like. And so the one, the one saving grace I found out just recently about money. So yeah, money plane is ridiculous. <laughs> we rented it with like a free red box code. Like his birthday shortly after it was released. Right. And John Oliver <laughs> just talked about it in the season yes. of, of, of last week tonight. Like three years later. Oh, I must have missed that episode. Yeah. <laughs> but ju- so just a couple months ago, uh, Edge was on a uh, uh, RJ City's Hey EW YouTube show. And <laughs> RJ was like, I'm going to ask him about mo- I asked him about Money Plane. So he so Edge actually told the story of why he made Money Plane. And it ties back around to Frazier. Um, oh, when. When well, Adam's right. mother was going through chemotherapy, he would drive her and then they would come home and watch Frasier together every day. So that was like their like way to relax and spend time and bond together and for her to, you know, come down from from, you know, chemotherapy mm-hmm. was to just come home and watch Frasier. So when he was offered a movie with Kelsey Grammer, he was like, I don't care if it's a dumb movie. I don't care what this is. I want to be able to work with Kelsey Grammer. I want to be able to thank him and tell him, you know, you're my mom's favorite and you got her through these tough times. So there's a really sweet reason why 
Edge made a very, very silly action movie that I <laughs> sort of recommend. <laughs> it's 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 outrageously dumb. Um, it's profane, but that's okay. Um, and it's it's fun. Listen, I went to see Snakes on a Plane at midnight <laughs> on opening night. So I understand. Yes. I think, are there snakes on the money plane? Mm. There's alligators. Want a fucking alligator? Money plane. <laughs> Is a line that Kelsey Grammer uttered. You can bleep that if you want. Obviously. No, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> Explicit tag earned. So, yes. So we, we've we've flown to the money plane to wrap up this episode of Captain Calendar House. Beautiful. Day. Why not? If you're airborne, there's no laws, I think. It's yes, that's the idea. Yes. Sure. Yeah. That's the point of the money plane. It's like being in international waters only in the sky. International skies. <laughs> that's not how the sky works, but no. well, that's not how the airlines and the army no, says the sky works. I don't know. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned this last leap day. And I'm glad I kept it in the recording so we could do it this year. Yay! So we have four years to find another NBC sitcom that did a Leap Day episode. Well, you did 30 Rock. <laughs> That's what I mean. We did so, 30 Rock with Frasier. Are there any others? I don't know. I know of an ABC one. There's an episode of Modern Family where that deals with Leap Day. Nah. So that, that yeah, I don't know. Well, Same we'll creators as Frasier. Oh, there we go. Christopher Lloyd. Ah! <laughs> the other one. The other Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> it's always the other one. <laughs> <laughs> But I definitely understand why this is one of the greatest episodes of the whole show. Well, it's, it's it's one of the ones that we really enjoy. Sure. Well, there was a consensus. Yeah. Y'all do yourselves a favor and watch this one for Leap Day. Even if you can't get it until a weekend in March, it is worth it. <laughs> I don't know when or if we'll revisit Frasier, but is there a standout Christmas episode? There's a lot of Christmas episodes. There, there are a lot of Christmas episodes. Okay. There's one that well, I particularly like where the cranes in Maine have got your living brain. I'm in. <laughs> I'm sold. Putting it on the list. But thank you both for taking this leap with me. Yay. And if people want to bring you flowers after a chance meeting on the bus and ask you out despite you being married. Um, I could accept um, plant genitals and Ms. Aaron M. <laughs> Evans on the... Site formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> and Joey. You can find me on uh, what should be still called Twitter at I'm going to DJ 24. You can hear me on Why Not Radio, whynotradio.net. And we have our pop culture talk show, Words with Nerds, where we talked about Frasier quite a bit in the last episode. And and we make a point to reference Perry Yelpin in every single episode. <laughs> Why? Because she's great. because she's great. And because running jokes. Show needs a mascot. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to remind you before you go, real life is for March. That's right. <laughs> Y'all go do all those things. You can find those links in the show notes of this episode. And to find me on the internet, just go to adventcalendar.house and you can take it from there. Well, it's time for this podcast to dive back down into the Mariana Trench for four more months of hibernating <laughs> or whatever. Meet me back here on July the 2nd to find out if I see my shadow. <laughs> Until then, for Aaron and Jody from the Taco Show, this is Mike Westfall reminding you to look before you leap over the icy patch. Merry Leap Day, y'all. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 
Frazier has left the building. And if people want to bring you flowers after a chance meeting on the bus and ask you, and that, and if people want to bring you flowers after a chance meeting on the bus and ask you, it, busk. It's okay. <laughs> Take three. Something at, something at, buttons at, buttons. <laughs> Next time on the Advent Calendar House. He's nipping at your nose. You can feel him in your toes. A shiver and a tear Let's you know Jack Frost is here <laughs>